Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsburst.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. Good evening. Oh, well, good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Thanks to everybody on Patreon.com. We're doing uh, we're doing questions tonight. I love these questions nights. Always good stuff. Always comes out. And a lot of the questions come into Patreon now. We do have quite a, a few supporters there. And we do absolutely appreciate you guys. Uh, most of them, a price of a cup of tea is what they're at each month. We deeply, deeply appreciate it. It helps things, plans this side. And we are making plans all the time. Uh, and if you can, great. If you can't, not to worry. We're going to be here anyway. But we will be taking most of the questions from Patreon as some form of a reward. Um, so absolutely. Before we start, have you anything else to say, guys? Any other drama happening in the last week that we need to know of? Or do we just get stuck in? Uh, I think don't forget to listen to us on uh, all available podcast platforms. Uh, everything from Amazon through to um, I think even Spotify. Spotify and if you Apple. you want to pick us up yes, there. Yes, we yeah, are there If you want to pick indeed. us up there, you'll get an edited down version, which is far more concise and less blubbery. Waffly. Okay, and less football. That's football, boom, even that's. Um, so I can't Thanks see the side. So, so that's, un, that's unusual. I don't get any feedback tonight. Um, who wants to start off, guys? Who's got the first question? I've got one. Um, I've I, got I, one here yeah, from Heidi. She says that she's a very new Patreon member. So Heidi, welcome. You're very, very welcome. Don't think we're going to be uh, able to ask answer all your questions, but it just happens you're at the top of the list. Mm. Here, here we go. My three-year-old Maltese Yorkie has recurrent seasonal allergic conjunctivitis. Last year, I washed her eyes every day, sometimes up to three times a day with calendula tea, but she still ended up on steroid drops every one to two months. Recently, I started using eye drops containing colloidal silver. We're almost through her first spring with no eye infections. Then I saw your post regarding colloidal silver. Do you guys have any other natural recommendations specifically for eyes that I could try instead or tips for reducing managing seasonal allergies for her, it's only her eyes that seem to be affected. Lucky, good, good, good. I'm in Australia, so won't be able to, uh, won't be awake for the live. Ah, oh, Heidi, you missed your 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 moment in the sun. But thanks, guys. Whenever you have time for me or not, I love listening to your podcast and appreciate what you're doing. Ah, it's a bit like Steve Wright, oh, yeah, isn't it? You know, so saying how much people appreciate us, which is quite surprising. You guys, especially. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice to be appreciated and not, uh, yeah, I was going to say hated, I don't think I've been hated, but anyway, um, go on, Bren, help us out there, what do you do? Um, right, okay, let's, first things first, conjunctivitis, inflammation of the conjunctivus, so usually the white bit. part of the eye is covered by a, a further membrane, and if that becomes inflamed, it looks like the whites of your eye go red. To be differentiated from scleral um, blood vessels, which usually are quite thick and usually go out in the radial pattern um, in the eye. Um, and that can be an indicator of inflammation inside the eye. So that's something different. And definitely you should go to the, see the vet if you see that sort of pattern. Um, going back to conjunctivitis. So it's great to hear that you seem to have controlled things with colloidal silver. 
to some degree. Um, flushing the eye full stop to get rid of allergy, so as in allergens, irritating the eye can always be useful. And there's plenty of safe lubricants that you can use to do that. And definitely flushing them as soon as you've been out for a walk can be really beneficial. Um, so hypromellose, uh, which is a sort of compound, a, a sterile liquid that you can get from your um, uh, chemist uh, that are eye drops. Um, even flushing with normal saline, if you don't have anything, uh, you know in the, your first aid kits, you can get normal saline, um, Sort of things to flush out horrible stuff from the eyes uh, you can use that if you've made it yourself a teaspoon of salt to a pint of boiled water okay um, in a sterile form so don't leave that too long um, just let it cool down and you can use that sponge with a sterile clean sponge into the eye um, just dribble it in okay and that can flush the eye so those are ways to flush the eye um, but ultimately if they're at risk of getting a secondary infection, that's where things like colloidal silver can be really useful. So this is where bacteria take advantage of the inflammation, usually a lack of tear flow, uh, all of those aspects that are going on. That means that those bacteria can take advantage. So we discussed this when we were discussing leucillin. And the reason that we were talking about leucillin is that it's really super safe to give into the eyes. It will kill all of those bacteria and horrible beasties that can cause irritation. But as soon as it changes the pH, it will turn back into normal saline. Okay, so that's why I mentioned saline. So it's super safe in the eye. Um, and that's an alternate without the risk of the colloidal silver draining down the tear ducts, getting into the system, um, a few other things. Now, a bit of a debate there. I think loads of people have used colloidal silver for a long, long time and talked about it being supernatural. Um, uh, but I think there is this thing, well, it's silver, it's a silver salt. It's usually put in um, to make it colloidal, to suspend it. Um, it's, it's not pure silver on its own. And I think, you know, there is that risk that it does upset gut flora. It does have some residual effects um, all the way through into the, the fecal matter. Um, in some cases. I don't know how much of an issue that is, how much it's been overplayed. Can you remember, Nick? I can't. It, it, that was from Joe Flanagan, I think, the week after the Lucillin. Yeah. He, because he, great to, to my great shock, because I've been using colloidal silver for conjunctivitis for years, and he said it's a bit of an environmental nightmare. Once it, get, yeah. once it gets into the environment, it is a nightmare. Um, yeah, we... You shared a study there, Nick, of the of the kind of hang around status of colloidal silver in the environment, and it wasn't good. It didn't read well. Mm. Uh, there was a good few authors involved in that. Mm. Uh, I can't see people making money from slagging off colloidal silver too easy, unless it was the makers of the cylinder, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, you know, so there was something to that. But Joe's point on uh, conjunctivitis was interesting. He he would always go probiotics, being a probiotic man. Mm. So he's got a he's got a probiotic eye wash there. Uh, comes in a, a gentle kind of thing. Usually he's got sprays, but you are not your Maltese is not going to take that in the eye. Um, so um, yeah, probiotic yeah, eye wash drops. might be. There's a, a dropper version. There's a dropper version of yeah. it. Oh, okay, actually, it didn't look like a dropper when I saw the bottle. Okay, good. Oh. So a dropper that's that makes sense. That sounds like a cool enough product. I've got I've got a couple of thoughts there as well. I totally agree with what you guys are saying, but also don't forget cold tea has been used for centuries. You know, cold black. 
PG tips, whatever you whatever your thing is. Um, that that's the tannins in there are they're mildly antibacterial and they just they they just um, uh, tighten up and um, help with the inflammation in the eyes. Okay, really yeah, cheap. It's You've got really to be in, in the cupboard anyway. I think she also mentioned calendulity in her question. She does. Uh, that <clears throat> um, I I tend to use chamomile tea. Strangely enough, I just um, yeah. use that as a, a chamomile bag in about a litre. You just make it up. Uh, once you've made it at the beginning of the week, you just can leave it in the fridge and just bathe that um, through the eyes um, for, for those. Because that's more about the allergy, the irritation, rather than yeah. bacterial infection. Um, green tea, too. You've always got that yeah. in the cupboard. Green tea would do it. And you can just use the tea bag. Warm water. You know, you just wipe the eye. You don't go to the other eye with the same tea bag. They're cheap as chips. And you wipe the eye and throw it away. There's a few qualities to that. And the green mightn't stain the fur like the brown. Uh, but yeah, many tips here. What, tell you me this. You can tell Yorkshireman in the room. So I'm using one tea bag do green tea. in a litre. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm using it yeah. all week and the week after. Yeah. <laughs> and Hanging then it out on the line. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> drying it out, reusing it. And, then, like Mr. And, then, and you're using a tea bag per eye twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> They cost about one fifty for eighty, Brent. Come your, on, your, let's your, go. Your books obviously do really well for you. Absolutely, I'm just loaded now. It's fantastic. Hence, I'm still in my closet. It's, uh, it's great. Yeah. Tell me, look, why? Why is the, why do Maltese? Okay, Maltese are very prone to weepy eyes. Let's say, and I would say uh, when you talk about weepy eyes, I kind of think there's something like a smoke alarm, and you often see dogs with weepy eyes just suffering inflammation. So when you put in anti natural anti-inflammatories into a dog with weepy eyes, they tend to reduce, okay? So there's many products out there you can try, from golden turmeric paste to eye products, you know, uh, I'm not going to name any. But anyway, so they work a little bit to cool off the inflammation and the eyes stop weeping. So in my little head, I kind of see it as a bioindicator. And often if you have a Maltese and you feed them dry food and you're heavy with the flea treatments and wormers and boosters and you're lashing in all this stuff, you can expect the dog to have weepy eyes because often with these Maltese, if you just pick off the low-hanging fruit, get them off the dry food, the horrible chemically preserved pet store treats uh, and the nasty compounds, when you, and make sure the teeth are clean, which is another driving source of inflammation. If when you pick off all that low-hanging fruit, you'll often find that you suddenly have a Maltese that doesn't have weepy eyes. So my question is, why do some dogs get the infection? I think I understand why they weep, but why are some dogs more prone to getting infections? What is that? as opposed to the weepiness? Or is, is it the weepiness first and then that comes in after us? I would say yeah. so, yeah, because you get, you get kind of a spill effect in that you get, if, if, if this entire area is really wet and muggy, then you can get the bacteria going back up the stream, like, like salmon going upstream, oh, yeah. you know, okay. that kind of thing. So you can do that. One thing that we haven't mentioned, guys, is euphrasia. It's a homeopathic euphrasia drops. And oh, yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about Oculus Prime, of course, uh, Dr. Brady. But uh, Euphrasia is, has been used, even Culpepper, about 300 years ago, was talking about eyebright. It's a, it's a plant, it's a tincture, and it is used for just kind of um, making your eyes brighter and cleaner and what have you. And I would say if you're looking for something just to rinse, you can't go far wrong with the homeopathic tincture of eyebright cool. marvelous stuff. Most, in most uh, chemists actually not even a homeopathic or herbalist you can get it in most chemists very so, good um, and the other one uh, sorry 
Golden Seal, I bet you're going to say. No, I'm not. I'm going to say Optrex. Optrex is regular, original Optrex. It looks like it's a druggy thing, but actually it's witch hazel. And you can use that in the eyes, and it's cheap as ah. chips because you, you buy, I don't know, 100 mils for three quid or something. Yeah. And um, really, really, really useful, and uh, and I would recommend. That's what Optrex is—a drop of a drop of witch, witch hazel, hazel and distilled yeah, water. Yeah, no yeah, way! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, witch hazel was always a common thing to wash out hot spots, trim off all the hair, wash in witch hazel, and now a little lash of probiotics on top. Uh, guys, that was uh, thirteen minutes on one question, and we've got a bucket <laughs> load of questions. Uh, but like you know, it's, you can't do the you can't do the question justice in two or three minutes because a lot of the stuff you have to say is. It's really interesting. I want to hear it. You know, I'm taking notes here. Um, uh, Oculus Prime. Just uh, give us just give us 30 seconds on Oculus Prime, dear boy. Look, Oculus Prime is... Uh, all of our supplements are very different, okay? But two that are quite similar is Oculus Prime and AC4 because the basis behind them is similar, anti-inflammatory. And there's three seaweeds that don't exist in Ireland that are in that. One in particular is a red moss, which is a real difficult one to pick into water goes out. You have to run out, pick this little moss that's curled up and holding onto stones and whatnot. You have to pick it all apart, dry it out. And it's a potent anti-inflammatory that loves mucosal membranes. We were just talking to the seaweed specialist that helps us with all these supplements. And he just said, oh yeah, that one. Um, you know, for example, if you had like, um, you know, really sore eyes, dry eyes, he just starts naming these eye conditions, I would take that seaweed. And we're like, why? He lists these two or three compounds. We pop it in a product with two or three others. And it works. So when you take these anti-inflammatory products, but you can use any natural anti-inflammatory. And as we say with Oculus Prime, do all these other things first and you might not need this product, you know, but it does work. And if it doesn't work, you get your money back. And that's the whole, the whole point of my supplements. If it doesn't work, you lose nothing. But uh, it does work. But I always say it's a real bandage. It's a plaster on gangrene. I know I'm not selling my products very well, but it's just the truth. It's like stool, right? I need something for my dog's anal glands. It's like, well, you do need to address that so it doesn't keep happening. And products okay, before will he help. goes through his whole shop, um, you can find <laughs> yeah, that on Dogs First. Oh, come on. I.e. forward slash shop, as Karen Reed has quite yeah. ha happily said. Uh, moving <laughs> on, you. next question. Yes. Trisha says, yeah. uh, my 10-year-old raw-fed dog has suddenly started vomiting early in the morning. Hunger pukes, uh, acid reflux. How to manage naturally, please? Uh, I've raw-fed for 35 years, never had this problem before. Bet is likely to say switch to kibble, which I won't do. Thanks. That's Trisha. So go for it, Nick. I'm going to let you. I've got it. I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, um, uh, bilious vomiting syndrome. Somebody's just driven past there and I was distracted. Bilious vomiting syndrome is a, uh, a, a, a symptom where you get this kind of uh, orangey, yellowy, bile in the morning always first thing in the morning that's how you know that it, it could be the bilious vomiting syndrome and essentially what happens is that the stomach is is kind of busy all night um and if you feed the last meal a substantial meal at say 10 11 12 o'clock at night it gives the stomach something to do overnight and it can be curative if what you're seeing what you're seeing is bilious vomiting syndrome you see it every now and again, one in a hundred, one in 200 dogs or so, they just do it. You, you give them some food, last thing at night, and off you go. Really, really good. I mean, it could be regurgitation, there could be other things happening, but bilious vomiting syndrome costs nothing to treat. And if it, if it improves, it's, it will pull a smile on your face. Yeah. I like hey, Connor, your, um, your little thing? Um, 
fiddling around with the diet. Pam Thornton has already nailed one of them there. Uh, one meal a day, fixed it for her dog. I think there's lots of different things you can try. This um, sort of perhaps some form of acid reflux and stuff perhaps going on first thing in the morning. He's getting excited. All that gurgling and squirting before dinner time is the acids and enzymes being released into his stomach in anticipation of his breakfast and perhaps that's going on. Who knows? Uh, in re- in regards to something you can put in to help acid reflux, German chamomile is called Mother of the Gut, and there's l- lots of evidence on it. And for acid reflux, I assure you, uh, it works because we recommend as oh, a product that has chamomile in, and it works for acid reflux. But I would say if the dog's having this acid reflux, you got to fiddle around with lots of different things. You need to change up your foods, change up your feed times, try this, try that, a meaty bone at night time, and vary things around. I would say one meal a day in the middle of the day to get away from that anticipation like Pavlov's dogs getting excited about the meal and give it to him in the middle of the day. So if there's any sort of funniness going around with the gut, I would, would have thought it passed through the stomach after an hour and a half. An hour, an hour and a half is out and it's into the intestines. And I would have thought the stomach is kind of finished after that time. So, But if there's any messing around with digestion, it, it takes eight hours to assimilate a meal. So, uh, well, well, I'm sure shorter than dogs probably. So I'm hoping if you feed him a 12 or 1, like Pam said, all the nonsense will dissipate. And that, so there's a few solutions. Messing around is my, is my solution. <laughs> it usually works. <laughs> Adding yeah. things in. Oh, try some carbs or try some sweet potato. Try some, you know, try anything to change things around your suppliers, everything. Brent? Yeah, I tend to just do that variation. So don't feed them at a set time each day. Yeah. So I'm quite happy to, you know, mix it up from them being fed in the morning all the way through to being fed late in the evening. Uh, and just, you know, when it, Turns time to feed because uh, I've got a moment. That's when they get fed. I don't go, ah, it's four o'clock. It's time for food. Um, I also believe that using something just to settle them, if you want to give them when you have your cup of cocoa on an evening and you want to give them something, think about a little bit of bone broth. Okay. Mm, uh, yeah. I can't go through a, a single episode bread. without mentioning bone broth. Okay. Uh, then, <laughs> yeah. It's the make, new fermented veg. Make, make theirs. <laughs> yeah, new fermented yeah. veg. Absolutely. Uh, so, Sponsored yeah, by Veg and Broth. Guys, I've got, I've got a doozy of a question here that came from last month. And um, anyway, here's a good one. Uh, hi, Connor. I'm a budding nutritionist just wrapping up my IPEC course, Bug for IPEC. Uh, I know a couple of people doing that. It seems to be very well, if it's very good, if you're looking for one. Uh, I've been in the field for years, similar to you. I'm a trainer with a science background, dot, 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 a few other bits, dot. She puts dot, dot, dot between every few words. And I'm hoping to do something similar to you and others in that to make at least some of my living from helping others, doing consults, I guess. Uh, The bit I'm struggling with is the leap to charging, charring for my advice, uh, when to do it, how much. I see some online folk criticizing people in my position for doing so, but I have bills to pay. I do believe I can be of help to people, but I do need to get paid for that help. Paying for my experience, not my time, etc. Any insight there? Welcome, lads. Ooh, the money, the oh, filthy lucre. Yeah. yeah. The filthy lucre. Did you see the article in the, um, uh, was it the Express or the Daily Mail? You read the Express, Brendan? No. The Daily it got, Mail? It got, it got <laughs> plastered all in front of me because the BVA protested, yeah. made a comment about the fact that they didn't get asked about charging and i just relate this because it's about uh vets charges um people saying you know our vets yeah. just um taking the mick uh making money off the people off people's dogs and cats suffering which i think 
starts to become a little Ooh. bit difficult, doesn't it? Because yeah. yeah, which way around does that come? We're not we're not actually yeah. making them suffer. We're trying to help them out, but at the same time, yeah. those people need to get paid. Uh, exactly the same scenario. So um, yeah. it is difficult, and I know it's hard times for everybody. Um, and it's it, one of those things that I suppose we're in a privileged position of giving you guys out there all of the information that you get from these lives um, without, you know, paying through the nose for them. Um, but at the end of the day, that's because we're in a, a position where some of you guys are helping us sponsor through Patreon. We actually are advising and charging for consults elsewhere so that we've got that time uh, to, to spend with you guys. Um, and it is difficult. It's a balance between getting the message out there, wanting, getting ourselves out there so people know about us but at the same time yes having to charge appropriately for consults for um stuff and it is going to be down to what what sort of back you know um backup you've got so what i charge is going to be slightly different to what nick charges to different to what connor charges because i've got a team of 30 people that you know we're effectively running in the practice um nick you've got yourself and i think couple of people helping to, to manage your admin yeah. and everything else um yeah. you know connor is just on his own um you know doing oh no no uh, oh, correct oh, karen oh, i am karen. so sorry karen, karen. She, is, she has a very hungry hungry <laughs> sorry, mouth sorry, to feed there, is, there is there is karen running a business and paying <laughs> connor just enough yeah. to keep him going. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Karen's the boss. What about what about you, Nick? Where uh, where do you lie on that transition from not charging to charging? I mean, how yeah. does she manage that? I, I think it's really difficult. And and I was in practice seven years in Yorkshire and various places, and then I struck out on my own. And to to then actually have to charge for your own worth is really difficult because everybody, generally speaking will undervalue their own ability, okay? And especially when you're a young vet, that is a, that's a classic for doing it. Mm. But at the same time, you've got this experience. You were at vet college. I was at vet college for six years. And, you know, and, and, and all that has to be catered for somewhere along the line. So the practical way of trying to find the right charges is you've got to... Think of a number that you think reflects your ability and your your worth, but it has to be tempered by what the market will sustain. Yeah. If you think you're worth a million dollars an hour, great. Good for you. Um, but when you go out, nobody's going to pay that, you know. But Nobody agrees. Nobody, nobody <laughs> yeah. else agrees. Yes. Yeah. Apart from your mother, perhaps. But... Uh, so therefore, it's it's these two opposing forces. Yeah, there's one driving it up, thinking I'm really worth quite a lot, and I'm very good, and I'm good at what I do, and what have you. But then you've got no, we just can't afford that. We yeah. can't afford that. And so, how about you, Connor? How did you? How did you? Yeah, like I actually sympathise. I only thought purely about canine nutritionists there, but I thought I sympathise with the vets. And I, when Bren said that, I felt very sorry for vets in that respect. There's a big problem where corporations are buying out veterinary clinics. That this is not in relation to all clinics. This is some instances. And we know that prices can go north. We've got these stories from Bloomberg and we have these stories, these negative stories, which can be a problem because they drive up sales. And we hear these stories coming in and it can happen. But I, I don't really know any vets in my, that I've ever bumped into that have ever been charging cynically for their work. It's like these guys are working so hard. It's such a tough gig. 
Uh, so hard to get into college, so hard to invest. I don't really think they're all driving around in Porsches. I don't see it as a really uh, luxurious career, uh, you know, and it can be hard work and it can be quite repetitive for some. And it's like, this is difficult. I think you guys are in a great position now, but a lot of young vets are very stressed as they spend a very short time in the profession for a reason. Guys, if they were paid lots of money, they would stay. Money keeps you in bad professions. That's why they pay you lots of money. So vets don't hang around for long these days. And so I sympathize with them. And I don't like the cynicism that comes with making money from your sick pets. It's like, well, yes, they're doctors. That's They work with sickness. That's that's where they make their money. And the more sick pets, the busier they are. But to say that they're driving that, it would be not the vets at the coalface. I'd be giving out about it all. Um, okay, in relation to canine nutrition bit, I took particular attention to the bit where she says, I see people criticizing online. In relation to that, I see that as well. I see some people criticizing online because, you know, now and again, like one in 20 posts, I might promote a supplement, one of my supplements or promote my consults. And people perhaps don't take that well. Look at Connor trying to make money out of this or that. And I see some, some of my peers, some people that do what I do, also criticizing and saying, well, of course, I don't take money. I don't make money from consults. I don't make money from supplements. I don't make money from anything. And I'm like, you know, I'm not quite sure me and you are in the same position. Like, I've got a wife and kids. I've got a mortgage. I've got, like, stuff to pay for here. I don't. And I know some people, when I've seen the criticisms, perhaps aren't in the same position as me. Perhaps they're more advanced in years and perhaps they didn't have to worry about their mortgage and perhaps they don't need the money like I do. But on top of that, exactly what Nick said, I have worked as a, I've been in poverty for the last 25 years. I'm the one who did the doctorate. Not many people are doing them. It's a pain in the arse. It's hard work. You don't get paid bugger all. I came out into guide dogs in my first wage of my life. And then I quit that job in a huff to become a dog food manufacturer. No money in that for two years. And then eight years on my own making bug, bugger all. And so all that is experience. And eventually now I've come up with a few solutions that when somebody comes to me with a current skin or good condition, I can help them really quickly. And my advice now is really painfully simple. After listening to these people and studying people like Nick and Brent and Lynn McKee for fixing guts. And so you're now paying for my advice and I can help you with these issues. You're not paying for my time. It doesn't matter if I spend 15 minutes talking to you or half an hour. I think people the people that are making the transition from iPad, they're well geared up to helping an enormous amount of pet owners because the information is so confused out there. And so don't feel bad about charging for your time. Don't explain yourself to anybody. All that matters is that some people are paying you for your time and you're going to help them. So don't be worried about these kind of cynics. I think there's, a, there's other people that get, that get annoyed when people charge because they can't charge themselves or they aren't charging. That's their way of doing business. That's not normal. You pay plumbers for their time. You pay accountants for their time. You are learned. You can help people. Charge a smaller amount initially, even though somebody beside you is charging double because eventually you'll be so busy, you'll up your prices to get rid of some of the, the attention. And that's the way it's going to happen for you. Stop feeling bad for charging for your time. It's a real Irish-English thing, I think. The Americans are just like, good for you. Look at you driving a Porsche. And Irish and maybe English people are kind of like, oh, look at him. Who does he think he is in his Porsche, you know? <laughs> There's no, but it really annoys me that bit. And it's hard to get on the ladder. And people just want to pick away at you when you do. And it's like, that's the down bad side of social media. But anyway, that was a long uh, bit of a one, but I sympathize with her. Yeah. Mm. Have you, all right, great. Have you found your other question? I have. And I also found a cool one from Caitlin Jensen. She's very clued in from the few comments I've seen of her. Um, check this out. This is more of an observation and it's in relation to the acid reflux we were talking about earlier. Mm. How to increase stomach acid mm. in dogs with acid reflux. I thought, ooh, okay, I'm already on a back foot here and I wish I'd Googled before I came on. <laughs> um, when, uh, when B12 is low, the dog often doesn't produce enough intrinsic factor protein mm. to absorb cobalt. In these patients, it's seen that the stomach acid also doesn't produce enough acid, causing the dog to have acid reflux. 
And I thought when B12 is low, Coleman, I thought how interesting because when you've got bad guts, IBD-like issues, you can be low in B12, can't you? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought that's a very common one to be low in. And I think it's, I think it might be the cannibalizing. It's like the, the, the bad bacterial growth in the upper intestine gets the munching on the B12 before it gets absorbed. Is that what I believe it is? I see it as a leaky bucket issue anyway. When a dog's got IBD, it's one of those nutrients that if you looked under the hood in these dogs, they'd be low in B12. And the temptation is to give him an injection or whatever way you put in more B12. And it's like, well, he gets a lot of B12 in his diet. He shouldn't be deficient in this. But how interesting that Caitlin has just picked out that this can be linked to acid reflux. Thoughts on that, guys? Sorry to put you on the spot with a doozy. The, uh, the, the whole thing about B12 is really interesting because you and me, we take in B12 and it then is linked to a molecule which takes it through the stomach. Yeah, it's like uh, somebody who's uh, chaperoning you when you go out with, with, the your, with your girlfriend. Yeah. And then that is then l- l- uh, broken off and another molecule is taken, is, it links to it, which takes it all the way down through the gut and you absorb it at the end of your small intestine. And that, that, that kind of passing from the stomach molecule to the to the intestinal molecule, one of which is intrinsic factor. I think, I think the first one is intrinsic factor. Um, that has to happen in the presence of good uh, pancreatic function. You have to have good pancreatic enzymes in order to make that switch over. And if your pancreas is not producing lots of very good enzymes, then you don't get the switch over. You don't get the B12 going down to the end where it's absorbed, and thus you get a low B12. It is a fascinating process Ooh. and i looked at it deeply about a year ago and that's all that i can remember at this stage do you guys oh i don't know anything about oh, that oh jump into it it's very 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 fascinating mm-hmm. intrinsic factor b12 uh no, no, what's the other one i can't remember brent can you remember the other one uh, it takes it through this mm, no but i do know that there is uh all of those things that we measure not just um so cobalamin b12 uh is the uh, one that we look at if there's bacterial overgrowth for excess, but actually if it's also deficient, it can indicate uh, whereabouts in the intestine there is a thickening or inflammatory process. So when we look at folate and B12, so cobalamin, uh, those two together give us an idea of um, what um, level of inflammation there may be in the gut lining, preventing absorption um, uh, or along there. So that's the uh, another reason that if you've got an IBD with a gut thickening uh, that's causing, you know, a vomiting reflux disease, we've talked about that in the past with IBD, um, then yes, B12 and cobalamin may be effective too. Uh, whether that's necessarily the same as hunger pukes, um, it could be yeah. two different conditions that we're talking about there. I don't want to get too yeah. dragged into assuming mm. that it's all absolutely the same at this point in time. It's a, it's a doozy of a point, though, Caitlin. Mm. Fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin yeah, has fair been play. doing absolutely. her reading. Isn't We're it great? Like, it. Some, like, you know, sweet people are so switched on today. Like, yeah. you know, nutrition is just speeding along now. And it's like, uh, it's nearly intimidating. These, uh, the level of knowledge of, of people these courses are putting out, just, just people that are spot on on the subject. How good for the subject is this? Um, there is uh, time to just to nip over to uh, our bit on the side yeah. for our Patreon yeah. viewers. I've got, a, I've got one here that I wanted to have a little bit of a, a whinge about because it's a good question here on 
uh, you know, anti-nutrients in some stuff and does it block the absorption of X and Y and, uh, you know, people Patreon. are getting very head. Let's do it in Patreon, Let's do it in Patreon. Yeah. I, really want, I really want to do it. Guys, we've rushed through another week. It's been great to yeah. see you all. I love um, that. If none of you know where to get us, just join us over on uh, patreon.com forward slash rawpetmedics uh, and you'll find us there. Um, I will try and try again not to go the lawnmower, guys, that persist on wanting to join us. Oh, no. um, I don't know what Patreon <laughs> does. Guys. <laughs> oh, Connor, you're missing out. It's like, as soon as I put a link on, about 20 minutes later, Patreon comes along and puts the lawnmower guys on, uh, just for a laugh. It's, it's Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. Anyway, lawnmower guys. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a group for everybody, isn't there? There's people that's obsessed about lawnmowers, and they just love these three lunatics. They probably look like us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just, they're not, they're just, just talking about lawnmowers in seventies seventies brown suits, yeah. talking yeah. about Drinking little lawnmowers. mini cans of blood. Yeah. <laughs> we, we actually had a comment from a lovely Patreon uh, uh, person who said, "Oh damn, I've missed out on seeing the lawnmower guys because she watches late <laughs> enough for me to have changed the link back." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder what that is. That is weird. It's um, a cult. It. It's a cult. It. It's a look. It's a cult. Anyway, guys, um, I hope yeah, to see you yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. Take Love care. That. See you next week, guys. That was cool. Take it easy. See you later. <laughs> Blind, 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 blind,